Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Hey, I had a conversation with a gentleman a few weeks ago that I wanted to take that conversation and cause it to be this message that's kind of transitional. As we move into this season called Christmas, and you know what's right around the corner after Christmas? If the Lord does not return, it's 2019. I don't know if any of you want to repeat 2018. Cut and paste, 2018. Huh? Come on. Or do you want something different in 2019? Doesn't that sound interesting? When I was in the fifth grade, we had to determine our age in the year 2000. I thought, wow, 2000. And then they had us do it in the year 2020. I thought, well, that's not too bad. I just add 20 years to 2000. And I go, I'm going to be old. 2020. Are you going to be the same old you? New year, same old you? Hmm. So I'm having a conversation with this gentleman, and he's talking to me about how this was the greatest year he's ever had. You see, he's fought with all kinds of insecurities and addictions and issues. And I said, how do you do it? He says, well... Some people say higher power. He says, I think that's just nuts. They're afraid to say God. They say higher power. They're afraid to say Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He says, I'm not. And he shared a prayer with me. Many of you know this prayer. We're going to have it on the screen. It's called the serenity prayer. And it goes like this. Would you read it with me? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And most people stop there. This is what the guy said to me. Most people stop there, and they don't know the whole prayer. Let's read the rest of it. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I will surrender to his will. He said, wait, 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 wait wait a minute. Who took on the sins of the world, he said? Jesus Christ did. I said, I like your style. He said, I'm not talking about a higher power. I'm talking about a very specific God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. I love that. Isn't that a good prayer? That's a good prayer. So I started praying it. In the morning, I, I had a copy of it, and I started praying it. And then I came across a guy that uh, I have known for a long time. I knew this guy when no one knew this guy. He was just starting to, to, to launch a church and, uh, and started to write his very first book, and now he's written several. Maybe you've heard his name, Erwin McManus. He pastors a church called Mosaic in Los Angeles and in Hollywood and in Pasadena and Orange County and, and in Taiwan. This guy's got all these churches, and, and he's a clothing designer. He's a movie maker. He even tried out for the halftime uh, show years ago for Doritos. He was a guy that, that did a re- He didn't win, but he was close to it. And he wrote this book called The Last Arrow. And while he was writing this book, he was diagnosed with cancer. But I love the subtitle, Save Nothing for the Next Life. Isn't that great? Just just give it all you got while you're here because when you're done, you can't do anything. You you can't go back and change your life. You, You know, there's two things you can't do when you go to heaven. You can't sin and you can't save anybody's soul. Everybody's saved in heaven. 
How exciting and how boring at the same time. Because I think it's just incredible that we get the opportunity to share our faith with people, to pray with people that are discouraged, to encourage people, to lift them up. And, and he was interviewed, Irwin was, about this book. And here's a couple of things that he said. I watched the interview and I wrote some notes. He says, I've seen people with incredible talent and potential and promise sort of crash and burn. Some of them just kind of disappear quietly into the night. And I started thinking about the characteristics of people who never settle, people who somehow have the internal resilience to overcome a lot of failure and obstacles and disappointment in their life, a lot of difficulties. He said, if you live your life for yourself or just for you and your family, you can create a pretty comfortable experience. You don't really have to risk a great deal. To live a level of comfort and security is really a minimal requirement to life. It's just existing. But the moment you start to live your life for others, it moves you into a risk mode and moves you out of safety and security. It stretches you. You ask the question, what's the most good I can do in the world for God and for others? What's the most good I can do in the world for God and for others? A lot of people live in fear. And fear, according to McManus, and I would agree with him, always moves us to regrets. And regrets are paralyzing. So in your notes, you've been waiting to write something down. I can feel it. You have to realize that your past will be your future unless you have the courage to create a different one. Don't live with labels. Don't live with the insecurity that comes from the pit of hell itself. But live in who God has called you to be. People who accomplish a lot in life, people who live without regret, people who never settle, it's not because they didn't fail or they don't have a backstory of disappointment. They just don't let their backstory define them anymore. I want you to know that next Sunday, uh, we're going to kind of hitchhike off this message. We're starting a brand new series called Anxious for Nothing. Based on Philippians 4, anxious for nothing. And some of you are anxious for nothing, over nothing. Nothing really gets you. It's worry, it's fear, it's anxiety. And so I think with Christmas around us and New Year's around us, this is a good season to talk about not being anxious. People are anxious today. The smallest thing sets people off today. Worry, anxiety, fear trying to, to get past our past. Now, as I uh, look at the future, here's what I thought about. I thought about this Christmas story. It's an amazing story. And the angel comes to Mary in Luke 1, 28 to 30, and said to her, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord, come on, is with you, is with you. This is the qualifier for the season ahead of us. This is the, the qualifier for 2019. God is with us. It's even our theme for our Christmas Eve service. God is with us. And Mary was greatly what? Troubled. Are, are, don't you feel good about this? I, I feel good that Mary, highly favored of all women, some people pray to her, some people even worship her, Mary, the virgin who would bring forth the Savior was troubled. Don't you feel good about that? Because you're troubled too. 
Oh, Lord, thank you that I'm not the only one that's troubled. Even the woman that you picked <laughs> to bring forth your son was troubled. That's so good. I'm sorry. I'm having a moment of myself. What kind of greeting is this? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Then the word comes to the shepherds in the field, and the same thing. Their, their first experience is fear. Mary was troubled. She was afraid. God says, don't be afraid. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. I can't read that without thinking of Charlie Brown. I don't know why. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. You can't say, do not be afraid to people that aren't terrified. The, the, the terrifying comes first, and then he comes and says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Everybody keeps hearing the angels say, don't be afraid. Uh, we have this picture of the angels that's really non-biblical. I mean, these, these were some awesome dudes, and they came with light. And in the middle of the shepherd's darkness comes this bright light. The glory of the Lord is shown around them. In the scripture, every visitation of the angel is alarming. And it has to begin by, by saying, fear not. See, when the call of God comes to, to a life, to your life and my life, and it always does, there are two responses. No, I'm not going to do it, or, or Yes. Uh, several years ago, I, I, I preached a message, uh, a series of messages on Christmas called Amazing Things Happen on the Other Side of Yes. Mary says yes, an amazing thing happened. The shepherds said yes. The, the wise men said yes. Joseph said yes. And speaking of Joseph, he is the only person in the Christmas narrative that never speaks. Now, on Christmas Eve, we have a Joseph, and he will speak. Most plays he speaks. But, but in the New Testament, Joseph doesn't say, he, he doesn't speak. Joseph is told that Mary is pregnant. Um, he's been to science class. He knows where babies come from. Joseph, her husband, Matthew 1, 19 says, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not, come on, be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. There's a bigger story going on here, Mo Joseph, a bigger story. If you just live in your story, if you just live with your little life and your family and your little lompoke, your, your, there's a bigger story. There's a bigger story going on always because God wants to make us great. How many believe God is great? No, how many believe God is great? Come on. Anybody over here believe God is great? My friend Robbie, I loved him last week. Did you love Robbie last week? Yay! He called some of you out. Hey, about this side over here. You know. He said, I sure love your church. He told me to tell you that. Thanksgiving. He said, I'm thankful for you, Bernie. And I said, I'm thankful for you, Rob. No, I'm more thankful for you. No, no, I'm more thankful for you. Love you more. No, love you more. 
Tell your church I love them. They're so great to be around. Tell your men I love being with them. It was a great time. But he reminded us in his message about who we are. The week before, I reminded you about who you are. Jacob, supplanter. Jacob, deceiver. And what did Jacob do? He held on to God in the wrestling and said, Lord, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. I want to be different. I want to be who you called me to be. You believe God is great? All right, turn to, turn to somebody on your right and say, God is great. Go ahead, on your right. All right, come on. That's more to talk than that. Come on, turn to your person on your left and say, God is great. Now find a third person and say, I hate when he makes us turn to our neighbor. Go ahead. No, no. I, or I don't hate, I dislike when he makes us turn to our neighbor, right? Come on. Hey, can I tell you something? We all believe God is great. And that we are made in his image to be mediocre. No, really, just to get by and survive and deal with holidays and Deadlines and headlines. Uh, come on. There really is, and Irwin says this in his interview, there really is an epidemic in the body of Christ just to get through it all. God is great, and we're made in his image, and he made us to be mediocre or less than, just to, just to get our to-do list done, or to hopefully survive and, and make a living and, and be okay and and raise our kids to know that they're incredible. You can do anything you put your mind to, just like mom and dad. But we're mediocre, so don't tell anybody. Huh? Huh? I heard a great sermon when I was at the Bible college where I'm a board of trustees member, and a gal was, had a rubber band in her hand. She had a rubber band. She kept stretching it. And she talked about her life experiences and stretching and stretching. And we all, we all right, we, we get it. Right, if I had a rubber band up here and stretch, stretch, we get it. God is stretching us. God is... And at the end of the message, she said this. I never heard this before. He's stretching us, and she shot the rubber band across the chapel. He's stretching us because he wants to launch us to something new and something. Woo! I can't preach her sermon like she could. She, it was great. She talked about all these setbacks she'd been through and all the stretching that she'd been going through. and Her, her house got flooded and then they came and fixed the pipes and it flooded again. You know, some have a drippy faucet and you're griping, you know. But her whole house flooded four feet up the wall. And they fixed it and it, it flooded again. Then they came and fixed the street in front of her house and broke the water main, three floods. Come on. Yeah. She talked about her dearest friend dying of cancer. And, you know, and she kept hearing everywhere, God's stretching, God's stretching, God's stretching us. And she said, let me end my sermon by saying God's stretching you to launch you to something greater, to something better. And I thought about all these messages and all these experiences. Joseph, son of David, do you know who you are? You're not just Joseph, but you're the son of David. Don't be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph, take her home. The Savior's inside of her womb. Woo! There's something great going on here. Well, what will people say about me? 
They'll, they'll, they'll say that we've been messing around because they'll see her baby bump and they'll all believe that I did something I shouldn't have done. I'm a man who's righteous. I'm a man of the law. I have a reputation to uphold. I can't have her come home with me. People will snicker and sneer. And by the way, I want to tell you this. If you try to do something great for God, people will snicker and sneer at you. If you just live mediocre, no problem. Where there is no motion, there's no friction. I just sail through life. And this guy told me in his serenity prayer, he said, I want to be all that God has made me to be. I don't just want to go back to who I was. See, fear will keep us from the greater story of our life. You are the son of David. <laughs> so change always, number one, requires courage. Anyone want to say, duh? <laughs> change requires courage. If people get stuck, it's because they don't want to change. And if they don't want to change, it's because they don't have the courage to change. If Joseph marries a pregnant girl, he loses his reputation, his identity. And the angel comes, and it's so striking. You are the son of David. The son of David. David, the little shepherd boy who fought the lions and the bears to take care of the sheep, who took on the giant named Goliath. It was an overwhelming odds that he would win, and he wins the battle against the amazing Philistine that all of the armies of Israel are afraid of. And he defied King Saul, who wanted to kill him, and he led his country to become great. You are Joseph. Remember who you are, your identity. Remember who you are. If you know Christ as your Savior, you're a blood but son and daughter of God. How dare you, excuse me, live in mediocrity? I got five things from the Lord to do. I do two of them pretty well. The Lord gave me one thing to do. I, 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 I do it well. I, I, don't, I don't believe God gave you one thing to do, but people say that. I got one thing I do. I make the best pumpkin pie there is. God bless you. That's eternal. The timing of this kind of story is fascinating to me. That Joseph has vowed to marry Mary, and God says, by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to do something miraculous. Could you imagine if Joseph would have said, find somebody else? Could you imagine if Mary would have said, find somebody else? My life would, would be too chaotic, she could have said. <laughs> See, sometimes we think courageous people are people who have no fear. But everybody in the Christmas narrative was afraid and then told, don't be afraid. The only people who can exercise courage are people who are afraid. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's doing what God wants you to do in the presence of fear. In the presence of fear. When was the last time you were afraid and you pressed ahead anyway? When was the last time you were just totally filled with anxiety and worry and you said, I don't care, I'm not going to let that slow me down, and you just cut the chains off and you said, I'm going to go for it anyway? You know what the gentleman told me who shared that serenity prayer with, with me? He said, I was afraid to tell my friends 
that I was now clean and sober. I was afraid to tell them. I said, why? Because the minute I did, they said, it won't last. You know, come on. You lost five pounds. People say, well, it won't be long. You put it on back. Come on. I'm starting to share my faith. No one will care. Or I'm giving my finances to the Lord. Just, I mean, next time you go to work or school or tell people you, you tithe, you give 10% of your income to the Lord, you watch what happens. They'll tell you you're nuts. Then they'll tell you that's all the church wants is your money. That's, no, no, I, no, listen, I hear, I hear all. People see your neighbors saw you go to church today. They're wondering if you come back any different when you come home. There they go. Where are they going? It looks like they're going to church. They got their Bible. They got the coffee table Bible. It looks like they're going to church. You think they'll be different when they come back? I don't know. There they go. wonder how long they'll be gone. Oh, there they are. They came back. Any different? No. Look the same to me. <laughs> Courage is a strong desire to live, taking the form of the readiness to die. That's a bold statement. Courageous people. Courageous people say, I'm going to be great for God. I'm a child of God. So Joseph says yes and takes Mary into his house, but that's not the end of his fear. God's stretching him because he wants to launch him. When, when they had gone, Matthew 2, 13, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. If you're a parent, you understand more to this story than just get up and go. You're concerned about the life of your kid now. Joseph feels something deep in his soul when he hears that Herod, the most powerful man in the world, is out to destroy his child, whom he's called to protect by God. What emotion do you Guess that Joseph felt. Well, he runs away. They live in Egypt. Herod dies, and an angel comes to Joseph again and tells him, Matthew 2, 19 and 22, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Get up. By the way, get up. Shepherds, go. See, wise men, go move. Mary, get up. Something is going on, and there's always motion throughout the Christmas story. It's not just sit by the fireplace and eat chestnuts roasting on open fire. And Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Come on. There's movement here. There's a world around us that needs us to move into it. Taking our story into the world's story around us. And if ever the world was ripe, for people who are in love with God and each other and, and, and caring about them, it's now. It's now. So he got up and he took the child and his mother and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archie, isn't that his name, Archie, was reigning in Judea in a place that the father heard, he was, come on, afraid to go there. Again and again and again, he's afraid. Now think about this. Every parent as I said before, would understand the fear. Imagine the pressure of raising Jesus. If you got something wrong or lost your temper in front of Jesus, 
By the way, what, what profession was Joseph? A carpenter. And so he's in the shop working, and he hits his thumb with a hammer, and he says, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus says, yes, Father? <laughs> Come on. Uh, what do you want, Dad? I just want to see how that little birdcage is coming that you're making right there. That, that's good. It's interesting in all the Christmas story, Joseph, who never speaks, is told over and over again, do not be afraid. And I go back to that serenity prayer. Grant me the courage. The courage. See, courage is the result from knowing that God is with you. How simple is that? But I, I believe that's a good word for us in this season and in 2019. God's with them. God's with LFC. God's with you individually. God's with you uh, in your family. God's with you at your school, at your work, on Vandenberg Air Force Base. God is with you. Don't be afraid. Let me say it again. Don't be afraid. You will not be alone because you don't face your life on your own. Because the God who is great made you to be great and he's greatly with you. See, what you fear establishes the boundaries of your freedom. Let me, let me spend a moment here. This is one of the things that Erwin uh, McManus said. What you fear establishes the boundaries of your freedom. If you're afraid of heights, you will stay low. If you're afraid of the outdoors, you'll stay inside. If you're afraid of attempting something new, you'll just become stale and stuck. If you're afraid of going back to school because you're afraid you won't be able to cut it, then you'll stay out of school. If you're afraid of moving or a new position or a new role in your life, you'll just stay where you are. You'll stay in your lane. When we are free from fear, we're finally free to live. When we're free from the labels people put on us, we're finally free to receive the name that God gives to us, the courage. It frees us from the fears that would rob us from life itself. If you respond to God's call, it will require great things of you. If you just want to be saved and go to heaven when you die, easy peasy, lemon squeezy, it's easy. It really is. But if you want to wake up every morning and Say, devil, you better look out because here I come. Come on. Now, a lot of people say that. Yeah. I'm going to be the devil's worst nightmare. And then they get up and the devil goes, <laughs> they fall back, you know. Come on. Many, many years ago, I mean many, many years ago, I was facing the most difficult time in my life. I mean, it was tough. It was rough. And I remember getting up one morning and saying, you know what, devil? I know you're there somewhere, but God, you're greater still. And I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to back down. And I just remember, I don't get visions and dreams. Some of you see visions every day. You hear from God every 30 seconds. I, I, I don't, you know. Every once in a while, God says to me, hey, He's got to repeat it a few times because I'm a little hard of hearing spiritually. And, 
And I just remember seeing a picture of a boxing ring, not the cage fighting stuff. I mean, that's big. I get that. It was an old-fashioned boxing ring with the big gloves and, the, you know, kind of like Creed number 49 or whatever. And, uh, you know, come Mick. You know, come on, remember Apollo and, uh, and uh, Sylvester Stallone, the Italian stallion. I didn't look like the Italian stallion. I saw a picture of myself in boxing trunks, and it wasn't a pretty sight. And I was, I was, I was going, I, I was floating like a butterfly, stinging like a bee, you know. And I just remember this vision of, of, of hitting the evilness with my right arm, right hand extended. And watching the evil walk out of the ring. I mean, it was, I, I can see it right now like yesterday. It was the, the devil in all his darkness. And they picked up their little stool and their little spittoon. And they walked out of the ring. And there I was alone. And oh, I was raising my hands in victory. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm really something, Lord. <laughs> and I turned around. I turned around. And I, could, I didn't see God, but I turned around and I just knew it was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the angels of heaven. I thought darkness was afraid of me. <laughs> I thought evil was running because I did a right cross. And I turned around and I saw the real warriors behind me. And all I was really doing was standing up with courage it's something that could have devastated me and, and my ministry. And I thought, Lord, you are so good. You are so good. I'm really something, Lord. I'm really, oh. Hey, listen, the next time you, you are afraid, who's with you? God is with you. You think you're stepping over the line by yourself? You think you're walking into the future by yourself? You're walking into the next grade of school or the, 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 the next Air Force base, wherever you, you get orders to go to? You, 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 think, you think you're going into retirement and you're all alone? Are you kidding yourself? This great God who wants to make you great wants you to respond in faith, not in fear. See, fear is a pessimistic act of faith about the future. It's pessimistic. Fear and worry say the worst possible scenario is going to happen. And if you allow faith to operate your life from the dark side of fear, you're limiting your faith. What becomes important is giving yourself to what you believe God's calling you to do. See, worry is really trying to control things that are out of your control. That's from next week's sermon. Worries trying to control things that are out of your control, which actually sucks the energy out of your soul and diminishes your faith and causes you to live in darkness. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. There's some people you can't change. I've tried to change some people. They won't change. Doesn't that frustrate you? I frustrate some people because I'm trying to change them. I'm frustrated because of you. I'm trying to, try to change you. I don't know. I don't know. Isn't that great? Fear is a pessimistic act of faith about the future. Now, I get with people, by the way, some of you hang out with church people all the time. 
I don't do that. I like to visit the Air Force Base. I like to ride around with the police. I like to hang out with the firemen because they're not all people of faith. And it challenges me, especially when I say things to them that they come back with their spiritualism. They have no clue about the greatness of God. And then they think like, I, I'm, the, I'm the odd man out. No, no, they're the odd people out. Not the odd man, the odd people out. Because man, what are they going to just embrace the Lord and all that he has? See, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change, come on, the things that I can. Lord, I can change my attitude, can I? Lord, I can, I can change my habits that easily pull me down. I, I can change things about myself. I can, I, I can read my Bible in the morning. I can change that. I can pray. I can share my faith. I can worship you even in the midnight hour. I can have the courage to, to remedy things in my life. And I can, listen, and I can be responsible for being somebody who tries to be a minister of reconciliation, even if other people don't want to be reconciled. Just love people. Love them so much you drive them nuts. No, really. Just love them so much you drive them nuts. Just drive them nuts. Well, we got this person in our family. They're a stranger. You know, they're, they're right? Yeah, the holidays remind us of family, don't they? And we get around people, and somebody, listen, somebody emailed me and said, boy, we just had Thanksgiving. Now I remember why I don't like, and I'm just going to, fictitious name, I know why I don't like Uncle Joe. I had to sit at the table and hear his politics. Drove me nuts. Or I had to listen to Aunt Ethel and her spirituality. She is, she is dumber than dumb when it comes to the Bible. And she's lecturing me about spirituality. That's rough. Hey, but what should we be guilty of? We should just be guilty of loving them. Just love them. Just love them. Put up with them. Yes, I get it. Put up with them. If you've got to plug your ear over once, well, it's okay. Just put up with them. Just love them. Love them. What is it? What, Pastor, what does that have to do with courage? It takes courage to love people who don't like you. It takes courage to love people who are against your faith. It takes courage to love people who want nothing to do with you. Just love them anyway. Just boggle their minds. Just love them. Now, you might say, well, that's easy. I can do that. But how about this question? Where does God want to give me the courage to change? In what areas do you, got, do you need to change? Well, you know, my environment. No, 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 wrong response. Well, you know, my husband, wrong response. My wife, wrong response. My government, wrong response. Where do you need to change? Because God's calling you to change. And what courage do you need? I think if you listen to the Lord, he will say these words to you. Fear not. I'm with you. Fear not. And then the second question, where is God's calling me to take a risk? But I'm clinging to the comfortable. See, Jacob clinged to God and said, you bless me, Lord. Where am I clinging to the comfortable? I pray this for myself. I pray this for our church. What, is, what does God want us to do that's different and new and fresh that will stretch us so he can launch us? What's different? What could you do different? What's he calling you to do? Not different for different sake. What's he calling you to do to make a difference? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, but the courage to change the things 
that I can. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.